In this episode, we're pulling back the curtains on Pink Storm Social, and we're joined by Mila Richardson talking all things Instagram and how her viral reel wasn't all it was cracked up to be. Welcome to JFDI with the two Lauras, where we talk about marketing, business, and what it's really like to be a freelance social media marketer. In this episode, we're talking to Miller from Pinkstorm Social, who has been in our world for over five years now, and we've loved watching her business grow and change over the years, and now we are sharing that all with you too. In this episode, we are discussing her business model, her viral content, and what works on Instagram, and what she would do differently if she had her time again. This podcast is sponsored by our friends at Agora Pulse. Mela, welcome to the show. It's so nice to have you with us. Before we crack on to talking about all things Instagram, do you want to just let our listeners know who you are, where you come from, where they can find you, um, and then we'll dive straight in. Hi, thanks so much for having me. So yes, I'm Miller. I'm also known as Pink Storm Social on Instagram. You can find me under Pink Storm Social. And I am an Instagram coach. Right. I've got lots of questions. (laughs) Amazing. (laughs) Oh, God. Here we go. (laughs) Brace, brace. (laughs) Yeah. yeah. (laughs) What I genuinely think people will be interested in is your transition to becoming just a coach and not doing social media management. So, obviously, I'm not, we don't need to dive 100% straight in. But when you started Pink Storm Social, what was it you wanted it to be? And then what made you shift into just doing coaching? Like, give us the kind of backstory to bring us up to kind of recent times. Okay. Well, I did, first of all, I moved to the countryside. Uh, I left London and I was surrounded by green fields thinking, what am I going to do now? I couldn't commute into London. So I knew I had to do something for myself. I'd always worked in marketing. So I liked marketing and I loved social media. And then I saw this social media course be advertised. I'm not going to mention who it was with because actually I don't think it's worth doing, but I did a six month course um, and it gave me a knowledge, let's say of social media, but I knew I needed to be learning on the ground as it were. So I thought management was the best way to do that. So I went into management and at this point I was doing most of the platforms. So I was doing Facebook, LinkedIn, Instagram, a bit of Twitter. And I really learnt what it meant to run a successful account. That's the only amazing thing about having done management is I really learnt everything about it. And it gave me a really good basis to move forward. But I also knew that I couldn't do three or four platforms really well for clients. I only had the time to do one, maybe two really well. Instagram, I absolutely loved. There was just everything I loved about it. I loved that it was visual. I loved that it was creative. I loved the community on there, the people that I was interacting with. And so I decided to stick with Instagram and just offer Instagram management. And that was brilliant. Absolutely loved it. Had some amazing clients, was working for three or four clients managing their Instagrams. And I did that for about six months before I realized that I literally could not put my phone down. I was on my phone the whole time. And I was just like, I can't carry on. I've got three small kids. I just couldn't do it. So I moved away from the management side, dipped my toe into training. The clients that I had that I was moving away from, they said, well, can you train me? to show me what I need to do to carry on as kind of what you've started. So I trained them and I really loved it. And I thought, actually, 
this is much, much simpler for me. I can train people and then they can go away and do the everyday stuff on the phone and I don't have to do that. So that's why I really wanted to transition from management to training to not be on my phone quite so much. So some people love management and there's absolutely nothing wrong with it. Like I still have management clients and I love it, albeit I've completely scaled back. And there is nothing wrong with doing management if that's what you love and that's what you enjoy. And I do think there are ways that we can try to make it that you aren't on your phone all the time. However, yeah. I think it's it's just so motivating probably for people to hear that that isn't just because you know social media that doesn't mean that's the only thing you have to offer. And there are actually a huge wealth of services and offers that you can make as, as a social media expert that means that you can make it work for you. And obviously for you, you Miller, it was a case of wanting to be, uh, you know, actually maybe see your children. <laughs> um, <laughs> and for other people, it will be di obviously different motivations. And I just think it's so important that we realise if we've got this skill set, which is a really sought after skill set, the only answer isn't social media marketing in a management way. Totally. And I still get people now saying, well, actually, can you just run my Instagram stories for me? Or can you just do some hashtag research for me? I do think, like you say, there is so much that you can offer because people, everyone needs help with social media. There's no doubt. And so your business model now, are you mainly helping people like with your training? Are you training one-to-one? -one? Are you doing like group coaching? Like, How does it normally work for you now? Is that a really viable business model for you now? Yeah, it's brilliant now. And it's kind of split into three different areas. And actually one of the areas is growing more. So the first area is one-to-one. -one. So I'll take on clients more on a monthly retainer basis now, as opposed to a just one-off session. And I'll work with them from either four weeks or 12 weeks or, or much longer, just to get them up and running on their social and keep them up to date of changes and just dip in and out, have a look at their insights, make sure that what they're doing is working. So that's great. I love that one-to-one -one work. You get to really know the client and the business really well, which is always really satisfying. And then the other, one of the other streams is my masterclasses, my online workshops, which I've grown and worked really hard to grow. And now they're a brilliant revenue stream for me, if I'm going to be honest. Um, I sell them all via Instagram and my email newsletter and I niche down into one area on Instagram. So I might do hashtags or I might do reels or I might do Instagram stories. I don't tend to do Instagram as a whole through a workshop because I feel like it's too much to get across in an hour or an hour and a half. Um, an hour and a half is the absolute max that people will concentrate for. So I tend to do an hour or an hour and a half's workshop. So they're brilliant for me, those online workshops. And then the other stream that I'm building at the moment is a online course. So I'm writing an online course for Instagram and I'm hoping that the one-to-one -one inquiries that I get who just literally want a one-off session will go and download and do my online course instead. So yeah, that's where Pink Storm's heading is one-to-one -one coaching the masterclasses and the online course. Oh, Love it. The dream. I mean, it sounds like I got it nailed, but honestly. <laughs> I feel like I've got two out of the three nailed. The course is taking a bit longer, but I just, because I'm a perfectionist, I just want it to be right before I launch it into the world, but it will be. But I think that's good. You know, there's, you don't have to, you don't have to just spit everything out. Like, you know, yeah. there's things that can rumble on until you've you've got it just right. And and no doubt, just as when you get it right, something new will happen on the <laughs> on Instagram and then you'll have to add new bits. Definitely. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. And I feel like, you know, I started in 2017, so it's it's been six years. It's not like it's suddenly a new thing. So it's taken me a while to get to this point where I know where I really, really want to go. That didn't happen from day one at all. I had no idea when I first started. No idea at all. But mm. I, I also think that's fine. 
people will look at your account because you're very successful on Instagram. They'll look at your account and they they will think, wow, how has she done this? It looks like she's done this overnight. And clearly, you know, obviously you haven't. But a lot of people will have this perception when they land on your page of how amazing your business is and maybe want to be like that. So like, what would be a tip for them to be like that? Well, that's so nice of you to say, because honestly, I don't know why anyone would want to be like that. But um, (laughs) I would say have some patience, first of all, like we just said, it doesn't happen straight away. You have to be consistent. You have to really turn your page into a useful resource. That's what really drove my page is making it really useful for other people. And also you have to be willing to show up. You have to show your face. You have to show your personality. You have to talk on stories. You know, I say this all the time, but it made such a massive difference to my account, showing my face, even just putting my face in the odd grid post and going live. You know, it was incredible. I remember it was during lockdown, wasn't yeah. it, that you really started your series of lives, wasn't it? Was it every yeah. week now? I can't remember. It was every it was, week, yeah, exactly. I've blocked a lot of that time out of my uh, of my memory. So you've done well if I've remembered that. And yeah, I did. I, I remember watching and thinking this this is just perfect. It was just, and especially at the time, obviously we were all just on our phones or doing our daily walk. (laughs) Um, So it, it did work really well for you. And I think the one thing, like I followed you obviously for a long, long time now, probably since the start. And I've always loved, what I've loved about your account is A, your branding is so simple, but so identifiable. Like you can just spot your content. I don't need to see your face or your name to know that it's your content, which is brilliant. But I think above all, I think it's that consistency. It's quite reliable. I can imagine for people who follow you because they get this value from you and these tips, they know that they can rely on you to to bring them what they need to know. And I just think that's, you know, you've obviously clearly worked really hard to create that. And I also find your account very, and and this sounds really weird. I was thinking about this the other day. I find it really calming, which you're obviously giving off calming vibes, but I feel like in this world where social media is ever-changing, it can be a bit erratic, it can, your account is the thing that I just think that reliability, that consistency, that, you know, the, the calm in the pink storm of, you know, <laughs> how you know, things change. And then in floats Miller saying, this is what (laughs) we need to do about it. And I just think it's brilliant. It just so works. It really works. And I just... Oh, thank you. That's so nice to hear. Like you might not have realised that that's kind of the the vibes you're giving up, but how much of that is, is intentional? Do you feel like you're really consistent or are you totally winging it? And does it matter that people think that because you're just going with it? So there are some weeks when I feel like I've got it absolutely nailed, I'm going to be honest. And there are other weeks where I'm literally paddling below the surface, furiously trying to keep up. I've definitely learnt not to be so reactive on Instagram. It used to be that there was a change made and I'd panic if I was out of the cinema and I couldn't post about it and I couldn't update people, you know. And now I'm definitely, I take a seat back and I think, right, you don't have to comment on something straight away. Learn all you can learn about that and then tell your followers the useful information. So that's definitely one thing I would say is that I think maybe I come across as calm because I've prepared and I've researched everything before I put that advice out there, definitely. And that's a relatively new thing. I would say, like I say, I say a couple of years ago, I would definitely be wanting to be the first person to even mention that there's been a change. Um, But also I feel like my training style, to be honest, is quite calm. 
I'm one of those people, if I get really nervous and get really stressed, I tend to just, it sounds really odd, but my personality tends to go very calm and very still, whereas inside I'm absolutely raging. So I think <laughs> that does come across on my Instagram and my training. And people do say, oh, you're, you're quite calm and you make it sound really simple. And that's what I definitely want to be known for is making Instagram simple. So because that is kind of my tagline, then my grid aesthetic has to reflect that, I think. Yeah. And that point about making things simple is something that Laura and I have certainly been harping on about recently, because we see so many people talking really complicated things Mm. and it's just above, it's too above their audience. Like all it's going to do is put people off. And it's like, I think a lot of people in this industry will start to try to they're trying to compete with their peers or their competitors. They're trying to, well, I'm going to make out that I sound even better. And all yeah. they're doing is just confusing their audience. Like we, last week, we were away with some variety of different businesses, all really successful. And we started chatting to one of them and she didn't under, she didn't know anything about the Facebook pixel. Like absolutely had never even heard the term pixel for Facebook. And, you know, these are successful business people. And obviously mm-hmm. she's not, you know, she's not an ads manager. She she, why would she know that? But actually, when I started talking to her about it and the benefits to her business, she was like, oh my God, this is brilliant. You know, why haven't I had this? But yeah, I never, I rarely see people talk about, have you got, you know, have you actually put yeah. the pixel on your w- website? And and I think we we try to overcomplicate things um, because we want, we think that that makes us look better. Like, but actually yeah. all we're doing is talking to nobody really apart from our competitors because actually the people who need to know this just think you're talking absolute gobbledygook and that that content's not for you so therefore they keep scrolling yeah I completely agree I have this saying that's always in my head which is never assume someone knows what you know and I think it's such a good thing to stick by because people don't know what you know you know if you've been in this industry for a long time doing what you do you will have learned so many small Mm. tips and tricks and helpful hints along the way that people will really appreciate if you pass them on and they think oh someone else has shared this so I'm not going to share it but it's like we all haven't got the same audiences and this is one of the reasons why you know we always say you shouldn't be following loads of different social media managers because if you see three or four people all talking about the Facebook pixel that means you're not going to because you think oh everyone knows that but not everybody follows those few people like I used to always use my school playground as my sounding block um, because there was always a mixture of people, obviously a mixture of consumers, but there were people who, who were business owners and I'd go on there and I'd start talking about something to do with social media. And if, if they were like, oh my God, I didn't know that. I'd be like, okay, great. It was my great. way of kind of just reminding myself that I, even the basic stuff was completely, you know, new to people. And you know, the hashtags, we all think, oh, well, everyone knows what a hashtag is, but but they don't. Like they don't know what it is or how to do it properly or use them efficiently. Yeah, it's so, so true. And I think um, when I train clients, I always say, just keep it really simple. Don't use jargon. Don't try and put 10 tips in one post. You've got to keep it as simple as possible for people to be able to digest and actually action those tips that you're giving. If someone feels too overwhelmed and thinks, oh my God, that's going to take me weeks, you know, they're not going to appreciate your content. So definitely keep it really, really simple. And I think that's reflected in my branding as well. You know, I try not to use too many templates from Canva. I try and stick to my pink and my red. I try and keep my posts really simple in their design as well as their content. Yeah. Nice. Yeah. And you're also like the tips and advice that you're sharing 
it's not just that the tips and advice are simple. It's like you say, the way that you deliver those simple tips and advice is simple. And when you're busy and you're scrolling through your phone, you need it really quick and easy to digest, don't you? I think people forget that we read things differently on the internet than we do if we've got paper in our hands. And we read things even more differently if we're on a mobile device because it's small. We need to be able to just take that in easily and quickly without being distracted. And I think that's why your content works so well. So on the note of your content working really well, let's talk about the time you went viral, um, because I think that's something that Laura and I were a little bit obsessed with at the time. Um, So for people who don't know this story, do you want to tell us a little bit about what happened when you went viral last year? So it must have been uh, just before last summer, last year, and I posted a reel. It was basically a tutorial on how to post a reel. So it was basically a template that someone could follow for posting a reel on Instagram. And people were still quite wary of reels at this time. So I think they were really looking for that kind of helpful advice. And, and it was good photography. Like all of the photos were taken at Soho Farmhouse, which if anyone doesn't know is a kind of private membership place. So it's very Instagrammable. And I chose a trending track and I posted this reel. It literally took me a minute to put together and it went and it got to 10,000 quite quickly. And I was really, really pleased with that. I'm always really pleased if a reel gets to 10,000 views. Not that it's all about the views, but that's kind of my aim when I post a reel. And then I'd say about four or five days later, suddenly it started to gain loads of traction and it got to 100,000, it got to 500,000, and then it hit a million. And by that point, <laughs> I was blown away. I was like, a million people have seen my reel. And now it sits at 42 million. It's had 42 million views. And these views are from all over the world. And it had such an amazing effect on my account. You know, my followers went from, I was at 11,000 at that point, And I went to 65,000 in about 10 days. And I started getting inquiries, messages. It was it was amazing. And as an Instagram trainer, it's really nice to be able to say that I've been through that and I've had a real go viral because it was incredible. And actually, I then thought, maybe I'll do another one that's quite similar. So I did another one and the other one went real. And then so I had four that went viral within the space of about two months, which was incredible. Wow. And so I've only ever had one reel that's kind of gone viral for me, nowhere near on the the scale of yours. But, and that was before Christmas. So, you know, a fair few months ago now, and I still get engagement on that. So do you still get engagement on those reels? Yeah, I do. I do. And actually now I don't know if you've noticed in the last week or so, you can tell when a follower has followed from a reel, it says this follower has followed you from this reel. And it's, yeah, it's, it's all of those. It's basically the four or five that went viral. Those are the ones that still bring me the most followers. That's so interesting. It is really interesting. I will say that the follower drop-off also, I know that we want to talk about the pros and cons of going viral, but the followers, so they came and then lots of them dropped off, which had such a negative impact on my account. It was awful. You know, they were dropping by the thousands and I know the algorithm had picked up on that. It wasn't prioritizing any of my content that I was subsequently posting. And still to, to still now, you know, I do get these massive dips when people drop off and I know it's from the reels and it really affects your engagement rate. You know, it's really difficult. So it's not all sunny and roses, if that makes sense. Yeah, I think we forget about those negative sides of of those viral posts, don't we? Because it yeah. can, like you say, it can have a negative impact on your account, but it can also have a negative impact on your business if you're not mm. ready and set up to deal with all of those inquiries that might be coming in. So I think that's definitely something to just bear in mind. 
Definitely. And I found it really difficult to know where to go after the reels went viral because I knew my community really well beforehand. I'd worked so hard to build my engagement rate to be at a really good rate. You know, I knew who I was talking to. I felt really comfortable showing up on stories, talking to camera. Suddenly I had people following from Asia, from America, from Australia, from Japan. I had no idea who they were. And I felt really self-conscious about putting myself out there again because I just didn't know who I was talking to and I was getting quite a lot of spam quite a lot of not nasty messages but weird messages in my dms it just felt out of control for something who for a control freak was quite difficult to accept and yeah like you say Laura I am a one-man band so the business inquiries were overwhelming and I began to feel like I couldn't really cope so it was a couple of weeks of quite a stressful time as well as also being very exciting at the same time yeah so there's me on the outside going oh Whereas on the inside, you were clearly going, oh my God. I just didn't really know how to kind of take advantage of what was going on. I didn't have anyone I could outsource social media training to. So all these inquiries coming in about, can you train, can you train, can you train? And, you know, saying no is, as my reel said yesterday, not a big part of my vocabulary. (laughs) Yeah, well, yeah, we're all learning with that one. Do you find that people are... Obviously, people will want to train with you because <laughs> you're being storm social. But do you think you have an issue with people now wanting to replicate that success that you've had? Because obviously, for a large majority of your follower now, they haven't been around. They're not like me, been you know following you since 2017 type of thing. So they, to them, you're completely new in their world. They therefore don't see the backstory. They don't see everything you've been chipping away at over the last however many years that is, six years. So do you think people think, oh, well, she's had this over- overnight success. I want this overnight success. Do you have people with those kind of unrealistic expectations? No, I've never come across anyone like that, to be honest. I'll get some people saying, um, could you chat to me for 15 or 20 minutes about how you've got to where you've got to and give me some tips. And I'm always really happy to do that. I wouldn't book in an hour, but I'm happy to jump on Zoom for 15, 20 minutes if anyone wants some advice. But no, I've never really had anyone who's... No, I don't think I have actually, to be honest. I really haven't. Well, that's good. That's good. That's Mm. good. Maybe that's bad. Maybe I should be. (laughs) No, that that to me, that shows that you've brought the right people into your world and not the people with these unrealistic expectations that they can just put a a reel out and grow their account overnight. Um, I think that means that you've brought the right people to your world. Good. I'm glad. Because there are a lot of people who would kind of use it to try to manipulate their business slightly in that and I see all the time you know clearly people have had a success with reels back in when they you know in the heyday Mm. when they were everyone seemed to have a lot of success with them so then they're now saying I can help you grow to you know 100,000 followers because and actually it's it's all bullshit isn't it because we all know now it's a lot harder now with reels with that strategy but obviously they're not saying that they're still charging people thousands of pounds and I feel like their audiences are so different to mine. I hope that no one in my audience would ever fall for that kind of marketing tactic that I see all the time. Yeah, it, it actually makes me feel sick sometimes when I watch some of these reels. I can get you to 20,000 followers in two weeks. I'm just like, there's just no way. No. no way. And with all the luck in the world, you know, this is the other thing about reels is you can put everything in place. You can choose your trending tracks. You can have really good photography. You can do everything you can to make that reel the best it can be. 
and there is an element of luck about going viral there's no doubt yeah and definitely you yeah. ultimately nobody knows why the algorithm picks up one reel over another and we've talked about this before haven't we laura with um when i used to work for sarah rossi for taming yeah. twins and on when great her content, cookbook, by the way yeah i know isn't it um when her content would go viral and then i would have inquired and obviously i would say you know, share testimonials from sarah that talked about that but then obviously I then had a flurry of people saying, well, I want that. And it's yeah. like, well, you can't. <laughs> like, <laughs> it just doesn't work like that, does it? And this is yeah. why, like, when people will say to me, you know, back in the day when I was taking on clients, well, what can you guarantee me? What What yeah. is going to happen? What? And you can't. There are no guarantees. And I would always say, I can, all, my only guarantee is that I will try my hardest. And I would say that now if I was to take on a client tomorrow. And, and I lost clients because of that, because they, they'd obviously seen some cowboy up the road mm. going, well, I'm going to guarantee you, blah, 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 blah. And I would never, ever succumb to that pressure. And I'd be like, if you if my word isn't good enough that I'll just try my best, because yeah. when you're a social media manager and haven't even, you haven't even got into the account and you haven't even looked at their analytics, you haven't even realized that they've previously bought 10,000 followers mm. on Instagram you know all those things that will, can just have a, such a huge impact on the success of an account but yet they're expecting you to make some guarantees it's worrying really isn't it that, she, that there's it clearly worrying, yeah. are these people who make these kind of promises so I think it's been so nice to see that you've not you know yes you've shared tips on this is why I think this post went viral which is great content great value useful for people but you've never said come and sign up for my Instagram training and I'm going to teach you how to get 42 million on my reel on your reels no. you know and and I just think that's you know admirable because I think a lot of people can be sucked down that path mm, thank you yeah I'd never I'd never try and make a statement like that I just find it too Oh, unbearable. And I also think there's so you can't put too much emphasis on the numbers because, you know, like we always say, you don't need a thousand followers to make a success of your social. You know, as long as you have an engaged audience, however many people, followers you have, 200, 50, 500, you can make it a success. You don't need millions. Yeah. Yeah. Some people, like a freelancer, probably only needs like three or four clients. Yeah. yeah. So you don't need thousands of followers to get three or four clients. You just need the right people in your audience yeah, in order to do that. Right. And I think that's where a lot of these Reels coaches, particularly on Instagram, where they are growing their accounts by sharing trending audio. Those trending mm. audio videos drive me nuts. And then they're, so they're, they're growing their accounts because they're sharing the trending audio. And then they're like, I can help you to grow your account. Well, you can't because not every business wants to share trending audio. So, totally. you know, it's, it's just all smoke and mirrors. And, I, and some of them say, I can help you earn £20,000 next month. And I'm like, mm. where are you earning that money from? I don't mm. understand what they actually do to earn the money. Yeah, yeah it's very strange. Yeah. Yeah, it's a dark side of the industry. It is a dark side, definitely. One to avoid for sure. Make sure you're not following any of those nutters. Yeah. <laughs> okay, Block. so we're not obviously going to give those yes. awkward, like go and share some uh, training audio kind of reels, but what tips would you give to somebody to kind of try and make a success of their Instagram? So I would say, first of all, uh, collaborate as much as possible. Like there's no doubt as well. Collaborations really helped my account. Buddy up with people on Instagram. You know, if you can piggyback off someone else's followers and get your, your account name out there, it's really worth it. And I'm not talking exchanging money or gifts. I'm just talking about, you know, going live together or doing a joint post together or, you know, just there are loads of ways to collaborate on Instagram and 
and that's where my account really grew as well as when I was collaborating with other people. I would also say, uh, think about those everyday conversations you're having. You know, if you are speaking to people about social media, what questions are they asking you? Because if clients are asking you a question, there's no doubt that lots of other people on social media will have the same question in their heads. So I know I go against the grain here by saying I don't schedule too far in advance because I try and keep my content fairly topical to what's happening in that week on social, if that makes sense. So yeah. I always look at my DMs and my messages and quite often, actually, I'll be a bit sneaky. And if I, since, if I think someone else has done a good post, I'll go and have a look at the comments underneath their posts, see what conversations are going on and see if I can take any inspo for content from those conversations. No, I think that's a brilliant tip, by I the way. I think everyone that. should be doing that. Mm. Yeah, and I've actually noticed people doing it on my content as well, which is quite funny. <laughs> right, really? <laughs> there are a couple of people who come and comment on my um, posts, which I love, obviously, because the more comments, the merrier. Um, and I know they're using it for uh, content inspo. And I think that's great. Definitely go go wild, you know. Oh, that's so interesting. Yeah, you can see it definitely when they're trying to start conversations with people commenting underneath my posts. Um, <gasps> but I love it because anyone who's driving conversation to my post is more than welcome. Well, oh, yes. Yeah, quite. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I also think, uh, like you said, Laura, I think the strong branding for me has had a really, really uh, positive effect on my account. I think people send me pink and red clothing, interiors, <laughs> inspo, vases. I love it. Yeah, they send me anything that's pink and red. And I absolutely love it because they obviously associate Pink Storm with pink and red. And that's had a massive impact on my account, there's no doubt. Yeah, I forever I see pink and red and all I think about is you. Like, it's so I could, nice. Like I don't, I have sent them to you in the past, but I, I, I don't recently. I love it. I don't even think you need to have a logo. You know, you don't need to have a logo. You just need to have some, a couple of strong brand colours that stand for who you are. You know, obviously pink's in my brand name, so it made sense to have one of the colours as pink. Um, but just make your content identifiable so that people can recognise it in the newsfeed. Definitely. If you're, if you're doing that and you're being valuable, then people will look out for your posts, there's no doubt, and they'll save them to refer back to. And saves, again, are a huge metric for my account. I always track saves and see what people are saving and do more of that. Yeah, I love that. That, that paying attention to the data, like no one talks about that. Like it, it be, I don't know whether people don't talk about it because data is boring for others, not for me, or whether people don't talk about it because they're not doing it but you know for, for we've we often do it like oh what should, what should we post and if we're really struggling we'll be like hang on let's go let's just go remind ourselves like what is it that we want to achieve right let's go see some posts that we've got that result in the past how can we learn from that what can we do differently or put it out as it was you know so yeah learning from that data is so so important it is so important. And I'm just actually going to have a look now on my phone at my post from yesterday. Because I thought what was really interesting about what I posted yesterday is that the saves, people were saving it and not liking it and not commenting on it. The saves were much, much higher than the other metric, which I found so interesting. Because if I see a post, I'll like it and then I'll save it. But if I just look on my insights from yesterday, yeah, so I had 694 likes on my post yesterday, but I've had 922 saves. Nice. So people are saving and not liking. Isn't that amazing? But then I, I always say, people on the whole, don't click twice. They'll do one click. And I do this all mm. the time. I save. Uh, I'll save something. And then occasionally I think, oh, no, I need to go and like it. I need to show them that I liked it. But my initial thing was, this is great. I'm going to save it. I forget because I only do one thing. And I think a lot of people will do one thing. One it's thing. the same. Like I'll share content into my stories because it was 
you know it's yeah. really made me laugh or I thought it was really useful so I'll just share it into my stories and then it's kind of later I'll go oh I probably should have commented should and have said you know this is or like or done done some something else but and I think we all just do the quickest, the quickest. reaction for whatever it is mm. that we want to do and we forget about that kind yeah. of like and comment and stuff. and I think that's imp- an important point for people to remember especially with promotional content is if they want people to actually leave the Instagram platform and go somewhere else to a website they need to be looking at that, mm. you know, the checking their UTMs and all of that stuff because they won't see the likes and the comments and the engagement on that post if they're trying to get people to go somewhere else and they need to not think that that post has been a failure yeah. if they've actually got the website traffic or the sales. Definitely, definitely. And the other thing that's just popped to mind as well on my account is that I've actually started posting a lot less, but putting much more thought into each post. So when I first started Pink Storm, I was a massive advocate of posting four, four or five times a week um, to really try and get the brand awareness out there. But actually now I post once, twice a week if I've got time, but I take an hour, an hour and a half to put that post together because I found that that way my account performs so much better because I'm getting better engagement on a smaller number of posts and therefore, it works better for me than putting five posts out a week and getting average engagement on the five. Well, that's a good tip. Yeah, I think that's a good tip once you've got the brand awareness. Yeah. But if you're still trying to build the but brand awareness, trying, yeah. it might yeah, it might be a slow burner doing it that way. Well, and if you're still trying to learn, it's, you know, the mm, more content yeah. you can kind of yeah. put out that's to true. test and find out what's working or not working, I guess, is better. But Yeah, definitely. I think some people as well don't realise how much time it takes to put a really good post together. You know, some people think you can put a post up and maybe you can if you sell a product or if you have lots of, you know, um, new content coming week on week. But if you're a service-based business like me and you're doing tips and tricks, you know, it can take me hours to put one post together. So don't think that you can't put time in your diary for creating content for Instagram. It's a huge part of my business and someone who does something similar to me it's not something that can be done on a Sunday night to be flung out on Monday morning it's got to be a priority you know if you're trying to grow a business on Instagram you've got to allocate time for content creation yeah I agree stick that on a graphic (laughs) (laughs) it's so so true so with all that in mind the things that obviously are working for you is there anything if I was to say right you've got to start again and pink storm has gone and mm. we need to start a brand new business. What would you do differently than you did for Pinkstorm? It's so interesting, that question. Uh, Pinkstorm actually started as Natterbox Comms. It was originally called Natterbox Communications. But um, I didn't realise that there was a telemarketing firm in Croydon who had the same business name and they took me to court. So it then became oh. Pinkstorm Social. So I probably researched my business name a bit better. <laughs> I would also try and make everything that's possible to be automated, to be automated, if that makes sense. So, you know, lots of people have amazing booking systems where people book online. I am ashamed to say I still don't have that yet, um, which takes out a lot of the admin side. I would set myself up on QuickBooks from day one for invoicing, which I just find amazing. I would outsource my website design. I'm not saying you definitely need a website, but I spent hours trying to create a website on Squarespace and I wished I'd never bothered. (laughs) If you have the budget, you know, I mean, honestly, the website guys that you've recommended, Tonic Templates and... um, 
And show it. And show it. My God. If you're starting out, tonic templates and show it are the absolute dream. We'll put the links for those in the show notes in case anyone's interested in those. So good. So good. And what else would I do? I would definitely just be patient. You know, don't get disheartened when you don't see the results straight away because it does take time. It really does take time to build momentum. And I also think take every opportunity that comes your way. This is another thing that I've really done. And sometimes it's absolutely terrifying when someone asks you to do something and you think, God, no, I just can't do that. It's way out of my comfort zone. Say yes. I know we've spoken about saying no, but say <laughs> yes to every opportunity that comes along when you're starting out. Speaking opportunities. If someone says, will you give a free workshop to my membership of 600 people? Definitely do it. You know, if there's something that's going to generate business, do it for free, then I would say yes, definitely do that. You know, I even buddied up with a couple of PR firms in London because I thought, well, PR firms don't have social media people in-house. Perhaps they'd like a social media expert to kind of white label underneath them. That really helped. Sorry, I'm not actually answering your question, which is what would I do differently? No, but that's... <laughs> this is great. Still Carry on. On. <laughs> I've gone off on a tangent. Um, yes, I would say definitely take every opportunity, push yourself out of your comfort zone, do something that scares you because you will feel like you've climbed a mountain after you've done it and it will push you in your confidence and your mindset to be better at what you do, if that makes sense. I feel like I've just had like the whole coaching session I know, just I feel then. Like I've had a bit of therapy. What can I go and do that's going to push me out of my comfort zone? I honestly, you know, I still feel sick most months doing lots of things to do with Pink Storm. <laughs> whether it's standing in front of people teaching, whether it's doing my big workshops, you always get that really nervous, sick feeling before, but it pushes you and the opportunities that come from it are just amazing. So I would always say push yourself, do something that's scary. <laughs> I love that. Love it and hate it at the same time. Know. You know, but for some people, you know, for, for it might be standing on a stage is what, for example, scares you. Yeah. I'm not saying it does, but that could be. But for other people, the thing that scares you could just be putting your photo on your totally. Instagram grid. And so it doesn't matter if your something scary is different to somebody else's scary. Yeah. Just taking those little steps. Or sending an email, introducing yourself to someone. You yeah. know, that can be terrifying, can't it? Yeah, I just think... Um, the scary things can be small things. They don't have to be big things. Mm. Like we're not expecting people to suddenly go, oh, hang on, I'm going to go and get myself booked in for the next big global social media yeah. conference and go and ask to speak on the stage. It can be really small things. But as you say, the confidence you get and that just feeling of satisfaction that you, you know, yeah, that pat on the back that you've done. Yeah, yeah. that's the word. Um, <laughs> is um, <laughs> It's so good and it does propel you doesn't it and it motivates you to kind of keep going and it does especially if you work from home solo I think you can get into such a a kind of routine of just doing the same thing over and over again and if you just do one thing during that week that's slightly different whether it's sending an email to someone you've never been in touch with before or perhaps it's going to a networking event even if it's only with five other people it just pushes you to just do more I think to build your brand and to build your business what's the worst that can happen what's the worst exactly yeah. someone they says just no don't they reply. say no yeah 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 oh, i love this i i think like we could speak for hours i think in our calming therapy session that we're having um <laughs> so what i'd really like someone to actually coach me on and uh, maybe you could arrange the session is someone had to tell me how to say no that's my <sighs> difficult thing well, someone to tell me how to you know i find that so so difficult we're sure getting better, aren't we, Laura? Like we yeah. we were in a, a place where we would say yes. 
but uh, along the lines of what you were just saying, because we were like, oh, we should do this. This is scary. We, let's just do it. And we say yes. And literally, it'd be like a week later, one of all, maybe less even less than, than like, that. Five us, minutes later. Yeah, one of us will go, um... <laughs> I really no, don't I want to do that thing and that's it then we're like oh god and then we've got to try and find a way out yeah. of it or to to do it anyway but really not enjoy it or it be a logistical nightmare one of the things we've done to try and say no more is not to respond straight away mm. if somebody's asked us something we will sit on it for a while won't we yeah and if like if our immediate response is yes we're like okay we think it's a yes but we're not going to tell them it's a yes yet because yeah. in five minutes time it might be a no so just try and not be reactive with that yes that's really good advice i think it's a work in progress though for mm, de- yeah, de- 100%. i think for us we've become very clear on what we do want to do and what we don't want to do and we are at that point in our business where i suppose it's the kind of adolescence of our business now that we we know what it is we want to do we know what it is we don't want to do and we are kind of at peace with that and we've yeah we're so we're very focused on well kind of <laughs> on what all these things are that we need to focus our time on and um yeah. i think that does help because sometimes we'll be asked to do something or an opportunity will come our way and we'll be like oh yeah this is a great opportunity and then we just have to say actually is this going to get us Mm. all these jobs done on this list or you know is it going to get us to where we want to be or is it going to get us into the in front of the audience that we want to get into yeah which nine times out of ten for us because we're very niche on who we work with um nine times out of ten the audience isn't right for us and that's a is it that's a good enough kind of justification for us to say no And there's something that Chris Ducker said to us a few weeks ago, which has really stuck in my mind ever since he said it, which was every time you say yes, you're saying no to something else. Mm, So So you need to be really intentional what those yeses are. Yeah. Especially if you've got lots of other things going on and you're not working nine to five every day. You know, you've got other priorities. Yeah, it's so true. And I guess you get to that point where you know where you want your business to go, then it becomes easier, doesn't it? Yeah. It's a minefield. Absolute minefield. (laughs) It is. So I love it. I absolutely love it. I know. Well, there it's is all that, mine. You know, Pink Storm is all mine. Yeah, and there is that kind of spontaneity about some sometimes saying yes to things that is quite exciting. Definitely, um, especially if you get to meet new people. I think that's yeah. always a nice thing, meeting new people, building your community. It may end up, you end up doing something that you've never done before and actually you love it and it can actually change the yeah. whole kind of trajectory of your business. Yeah. Which can be really exciting. So Really exciting. I loved your post on LinkedIn, Laura Moore, about having fun yesterday. I thought that was brilliant. Really yeah, so think. if you haven't seen that post, um, I put a post on LinkedIn recently, which we were at an event and um, we discovered that entrepreneurs are 40% more likely to die early if you have less fun. Something around that. Made of paraphrase that slightly. <laughs> and we were at an event and we were asked to rate ourselves on a fun scale. Oh my God. And I brutal. rated myself as a very low four. <laughs> Laura was slightly higher. Were you a seven or something? I six think or seven? I even gave myself an eight. I need to dig it out. I, an seven eight or after an eight. tequila. I, I felt like I'm yeah. quite happy. That was before the tequila. After the tequila, <laughs> I was definitely a nine. <laughs> Not the next day. So I was good. down to a three. <laughs> so it was all about like, what can you do in your life that just brings you more joy, really? 
and we were talking before we started recording about how I've got a new puppy and really that should be bringing me joy. Currently it's not. <laughs> um, so if anyone listening has got any um, ideas of how I can bring more joy into my life with this nightmare puppy, I am all ears because <laughs> we definitely need more fun in our lives. Well, we could just so listen good. to what uh, Milla said before we started recording where she's gave the dog away to her mother-in-law, <laughs> which... <laughs> <laughs> right yeah, okay. I don't think my mother-in-law will take my puppy <laughs> so, and on that note yeah, let's wrap this oh, I love it. <laughs> so um obviously we know what's next for you we know you know you talked to us about your new instagram course that you are busy working on but if people wanted to find out more or um just come ask you questions is that okay where can they find you oh my you? god 100 yeah. percent. yeah they can find me via my instagram pink storm social they can also find me via my website pink storm social although my website is under construction so don't judge the state that it's in at the moment <laughs> and yeah feel free to get in touch with me email me send me a direct message i'd love to hear from you thank you so much for having me i've loved it thank you so much for sharing this has been brilliant any opportunities to talk about myself is always welcome <laughs> <laughs> well, maybe we'll have you on again <laughs> love that thank you so much